right, uh, you can get your worship guides out, and I'm going to um, jump into uh, our new series today in just a second. And before I do, I want to super fast highlight that. How many here last week? Anybody here last week? Okay. All right. We had uh, the culmination of our legacy series, and uh, at the end of the series, we did a one-time, first time the whole year, we took an offering. So we don't, we don't pass a plate at Connect here. It was the first time we ever did that. And we did that for this special offering related to vision and five key areas. And I'm not going to give you the financial update this morning. I know you're dying to know that. But I'll just say this because there's basically a little more still happening. Some people have made commitments and, and they just have a few things they're working out before it kind of all gets in. So I want to give you like a better total. But I'll just tell you this. It was... It was no joke, okay? Like, wow. Um, basically, the people of this church are really, you, you get it. You just get it. Uh, you brought a sacrificial offering connected to what God told you to do. I basically told you three things. Pray, plan, and participate. And a lot of you definitely prayed. Uh, a lot of you must have planned. And uh, all of you really just participated at some level. Last week was so cool because it felt like communion in a way because it was a worship experience, not a business transaction. Um, just hundreds of you participated in the offering. If you weren't here, it was so special. Um, it, was, it, it was like biblical, uh, a biblical experience where the woman who brought her alabaster box uh, and she opened it up and she poured out her perfume on Jesus, it was a sacrificial gift that had a fragrant aroma. That's what it felt like in church last week. Can I have an amen from all the people? And so we'll give you an update in a couple weeks. And uh, all that, as you know, 100% of it is going to those five uh, areas of vision at Connect. So, so cool. Yesterday we had our Freedom Conference. How many at the Freedom Conference? Shout out. Come on. All the free people. And uh, if you don't know what that means, that's a part of our journey at Connect. So we, our, 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 our purpose statement is to take people on a life-changing spiritual journey. And so we have this kind of process that we go through. And it's facilitated through our next steps, which you hear about every week, which is actually happening right now during this service. I just said hi to a huge class over there. And uh, basically, we help people know God that's one of the things we do. And we help people find freedom is our second step. Our third one is to discover their purpose and lastly, make a difference. When you find freedom, though, that's really the key factor. A lot of people don't know what their purpose is, but then if they do, they're not able to make a difference because they're stuck dealing with the issues or the problems of yesterday. They're still living their life through the rearview mirror, not through the front windshield, and as a result, they can't move forward. It's like it's like there are a lot of Christians, it's like cars traveling from uh, Boston to Worcester. They're going to get there, but they're under sometimes the influence. Have you ever seen somebody under the influence before? Raise your hand. Anybody? Yeah. Have you ever been under the influence? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. I don't, I don't want to know that stuff right here. Okay. You're like, yeah, I am right now. Okay. What was in that wine? Anyway, so some of us, like you can drive, like you can get on the road, but you're under the influence of something or something's off. Something's off kilter. Have you ever seen those cars? Like they're going forward, but they look like they're going to go off the, the cliff at any moment because the whole, the whole uh, part, the whole machine is off kilter. And that's how Christians operate a lot of times. You're going to get to heaven because you've, you've, you've received that fire insurance. You've received that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But you're going to get there, but you're not going to enjoy here. And you're not going to make a difference here until you get free. So I really encourage you next semester, attend a freedom group, and then go to a freedom conference. It will change your life. Amen? Turn to your neighbor. Give somebody a high five. Come on, make it pop. Make it snap. 
turn to your second choice and just slap them. Just slap them. No, I'm just kidding. Framingham, online, don't hurt anybody over there. I don't know who's listening. All right. <laughs> so we're in a series, and uh, this, is, this is about joy. Everybody say joy. joy. So this, this is going to make you feel good, okay? And, and hopefully it's going to be a, an inside-out, not an outside-in uh, kind of focus. Uh, I'm going to start from reading uh, from Isaiah chapter 61. Here's what it says. Actually, Jesus um, quotes this text in the book of Luke, and this, interestingly enough, was his first message, his first sermon was from this book in the Bible right here. Isn't that cool? So nobody thinks that's cool. Okay, whatever. All right. I like the Bible. Anyway, I should. Anyway, so it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, and this is prophesying about Jesus. But then in Luke, hundreds of years later, Jesus stepped into church got to the pulpit, opened up the scrolls, and read this, and it was the fulfillment of that prophecy and his first message. So he was preaching a message that he was the fulfillment of. Is that cool? Okay, now you guys get it. Okay, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim what? To proclaim what? Come on, say it again. Good news. So I want to, how many need some good news today? We get enough bad news out there, so let's, let's have a little good news today. And I, I want you to know that God cares about you. He's so big that nothing is too difficult for him. He's, he's so personal that nothing's too small for him either. He's interested in all that you are about, and he wants, he's, he wants to come very close to you and help you in your time of difficulty. Now, I'm going to read from verse 3 of Isaiah 61 and kind of skip ahead. It says this. It says, to bestow on them, that's the people of God, a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Now, a lot of us, I don't know if you've ever felt like your plans uh, relationally have crumbled or your dreams have kind of burnt to ashes. Anybody ever felt like that before? God wants to exchange that. He wants to work that for good. He wants to make that something beautiful out of that. He wants to take the, it's like a picture, you know, a tapestry. The, the backside looks messy and crazy, but then all of a sudden you flip it and you see a beautiful picture. God wants to do that. He wants to take your ashes and make something beautiful out of that. Can I have an amen? All right. Then it goes on to say, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what's kind of going on to the inside or the outside of you, but this message is going to help you. It's going to help you uh, get joy that you don't have or get it back if you lost it. I don't know about you, but, but I don't know about you, but that's our family little line there. But <laughs> our, never mind, you won't even know what that's all about. Um, but our uh, tendency sometimes as Christians is we lose or we, we, uh, we have a hard time retaining or maintaining what we obtained. You can get something, but you, sometimes you can lose it because we're weak and we leak. Amen? And so we have to be filled again. We have to be refreshed again. So I want to talk to you about kind of how to get joy in your world, how to get joy in your world. Now, as we begin, let me just say, let me ask a question. How many parents in the room, raise your hand. Parents are so tired, they have a hard time raising their hands. It goes up like this. It's like, ah, ah, can you help me, honey? You know what I mean? How many young people in the house? Raise your hand. It's like, bam, you know what I mean? Because all this energy, it's just not fair. We resent you. Why? Because being a parent is stinking hard. <laughs> I get more amens from that than any 
point I could make, okay? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have the joy now of being a grandparent, so I, 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 enjoy, you know, I get to watch my daughters work with, you know, their, their kids, their, their sons, and, and I'll throw the husbands in there. They work a little bit, but, but I really watch, I really watch the, my daughters do that, and it's a lot of work, and it's, it's exhausting, and I, 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 I take a certain pleasure in it once in a while. A certain joy comes out of it because I'm not in that place anymore, but they have a ton of work, and they have to bust home because they're feeding, uh, they're changing, and they're cleaning, and they're wiping, you know, hands, and they're wiping their noses, and they're wiping their butts, and it just, it just never stops. It just never stops. It's exhausting. But the flip side, everybody say the flip side. The flip side is there's so much joy in the process of raising children. There's way more joy in raising grandchildren. That's all I got to say. So... <laughs> Don't kill your kids. It's worth it, okay? Just, just hang on, okay? But, but, but if you can flip it and you see it right, you have a different perspective on things, then the experience is different. And sometimes we're focusing on all the work and, you know, the white knuckling and, and, the, and just you're so, you're so tired all the time. But the truth is, tell me this is not true, but when you see your child for the first time, parents, smile at you, it's like... It's like a deposit in your bank account that you can't possibly describe. Or the first time that your kid says, hold me, you know, they raise their hand, they don't say it, but they just kind of put their hands up and they want you to hold them and you're like, oh, yes, you know? Now in our household, our two grandsons are being trained uh, not to be held all the time. They gotta kind of, we gotta, they gotta be more independent. You gotta hold their hand, you gotta walk them. And so the parents are training them. But when the grandkids come home, we don't tell the parents, but we hold them all the time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, come to Poppy. Come to, and they love it. They're like, no, Poppy will hold me, Poppy will. I held them through all the worship. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm breaking rules and it's awesome. Anyway. <laughs> and then, and then, like you know, uh, uh, the first time that they say your name, oh my gosh! My wife and I—it was like a competition. My, my name's Poppy, okay, Big Poppy. Come on, somebody <laughs> I'm from Boston. What do you mean? What do you want? What do you want? You know what I mean? I'm a, I'm a, but the thing is, they'll call you something else. Like you get to name your kids, uh, uh, but as a grandparent, you name yourself. But at the end of the day, your kid names you whatever they want. I was afraid afraid they were gonna call me Pee Pee, but they call me Poppy. <laughs> Too much, too much information for this. Uh, okay, sorry. Uh, okay, so anyway, but it was like a competition between my wife and I. Like, who's going who's gonna to say the name first? And so we would just keep conditioning the kids. Say Poppy, say Poppy, like a thousand times. If the kid could smack you, they would. Shut up, Grandpa, because I don't want to hear it anymore. Say Poppy, say, say Tachi, say Tachi, say Poppy, say Tachi, say Poppy. Well, I just want you to know I won. <laughs> anyway, it's so awesome. And, and then when your grandkid, this is by far the best part of kids and grandkids, is when they, they can't offer you anything, right? Right, Vovo? They can't offer you anything. They can't do anything. But that, that's, his, that's his, yeah. You can't do anything. They can't... Um, they can't, uh, they can't, like, clean up after themselves. They're taught clean up time, clean up time. They don't believe in that. It's destruct time, destroy time. That's what they're thinking in their head. But they can't do anything for you. But when they laugh, when they laugh, it's just, it's a joy unspeakable. They don't have any reason really to laugh. They just laugh. And that laughter is contagious. And they just have this unspeakable joy. And it's like a deposit that's worth millions of dollars if you're a grandparent. And if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about, right? And so 
They don't change because of their circumstances necessarily. We change because of the joy that exudes from them. This joy that comes from them helps us, helps us overcome our pain <laughs> and the process of parenting. Yes or no? This is a relevant comparison to what God has provided for us in his word and in life with the prescription of joy. The same thing that a child can do to you, God wants to do for us as well. He knows that the answer to your pain, the thing that's going to really numb, the thing that's going to really neutralize the pain in your life is joy, is joy. Write this down if you're taking notes. The solution to increase the solution to the increase in pain is an increase in joy. We need more joy. Did you know this? And I don't have time to unpack the statistics behind this, but did you know that people who have joy, uh, they're more successful? Makes sense. Who wouldn't want to work for somebody who's, who's, who's filled with joy, who's contagious? Like people want to be around people, work around people like that, hang out with people like that. Attitudes are contagious. That, 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 that kind of contagious agent of joy is so fun to be around. People who, are, who have joy make more money, actually. People who uh, have joy, um, you know, they live longer. They live longer. Like, literally, it can compensate sometimes for a lot of the bad things we do, like even f bad physical habits and eating habits, just having a, a joy-filled spirit. People who have joy have better relationships. That makes sense, doesn't it? So we all need some more joy. All, that, that can help us in a major way. But what is joy? Joy, by definition, write this down, it isn't a circumstance, but it's a confidence within it's not a circumstance, but it's a confidence within. Nehemiah 8.10 says it like this. Almost feels like a, like a Christmas scripture today. It says, it is time to celebrate with a hearty meal. Man, I love the Bible because it believes what I believe. <laughs> and to send presents to those in need. <laughs> and then it says, for the joy of the Lord, what? Is your strength. So strength comes from joy that comes from the Lord. And then it goes on to say, you must not be dejected and be sad. So how do we avoid being dejected and sad? How do we get joy in my world? Number one, write this down. You have to trust God's plan, God's purpose, and God's path for your life. God's purpose, God's plan, and God's path for your life. Psalm 16, verses 5 and following, unpack it like this. It says this, you, Lord, are all I have. Look at how the psalmist talks. He's showing his trust and dependence right away through the scriptures. You're all I have. You give me all I need. You're, I'm not self-sufficient. I'm God. I'm, my sufficiency comes from God. My future is in your hands. He trusts everything to God. How wonderful are your gifts to me? How good they are. I praise, look at his perspective. I praise the Lord because he guides me. And in the night, my conscience warns me. I am always aware of the Lord's presence. He is near and nothing can shake me. And so I'm thankful and glad and I feel completely secure. Because you protect me from the power of death, I've served you faithfully and you will not abandon me to the world of the dead. I love this verse 11. You will show me the path that leads to life. Your presence fills me with joy and brings pleasure forever. See, joy comes from the presence of God. It doesn't come from the presence we receive at Christmas time. It doesn't come from circumstantial, material, possessions, uh, outside influences, people, affluence, power. It doesn't come from that. It comes from the presence of God. Can I have an amen out there? 
the scripture is saying that this is a prescription uh, for your pain. This is something that will help you get your joy or keep your joy in the first place. You need to know the purpose, plan, and path of God for your life. Now, to have that, it really starts from within as well. It starts from a heart a belief or a conviction from your heart, then it influences your words and then it influences your actions or your body. Basically, in a nutshell, I wrote this in my notes, my tongue follows my heart and my body follows my mouth. As a man thinks in his heart, right? So is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, the, the mouth speaks, okay? So, but we gotta get our heart right. So our heart needs to be total trust in God. And that's what this scripture and what David is demonstrating for us. Then once you get it internally right, you need an external plan or path. And God has roadmapped that all through the scriptures. And in a nutshell, he wants you to know him. In a nutshell, he wants you to get free. In a nutshell, he wants you to figure out what are your gifts. And he wants you to see that your gifts are connected to the purpose and plan of God for your life. And he wants you to make a difference. He wants you to make a difference more than you do. Because he knows that's how you'll have joy. That's how you'll, you'll have significance. That's how you'll be fulfilled, as it were. I like to say it like this. God has a unique imprint on you so you can make a powerful footprint on others. See, God wants you to discover that special design so that you can be used in a mighty way. That's what will make you so happy. Knowing you get up, like yesterday for me, just going to the Freedom Conference, it was work. You know, I'm, my eyes are black. I had to work after the Freedom Conference. I got up super early today. But I'm doing what I'm called to do. I'm in the purpose and plan and path of God. And so it motivates me. It's, it's more beneficial and more, uh, it affects me internally. It gives me more fuel and more gas for my life than anything that I could do externally. It, it gets me out of bed like, I, I, I got a purpose today. I know what I'm supposed to do today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to motivate some people to get their joy back. How, how many know that makes somebody pretty pumped up? Like, I'd like to get more sleep, but I don't need as much sleep because I have purpose. Amen? Are you guys with me out there? God wants you to do something. And listen, what he's trying to do, whether you see it or not, is he, I wrote this in your notes, you can put it down, but God is bending the universe to make the purposes of God come to pass for you. He is, it's not he's manipulating, but he's, ch he's changing, he's adjusting, he's trying to get you. No, 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 come this way over here. No, come, no, 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 come this way over here. Okay, I want to push you over here. He's directing and correcting and instructing and motivating and revealing and explaining and, 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 and popping things for you. He's trying to bend the universe so you can see the purpose and plan of God for your life. Even in your pain, even in the mundane of your life, God is using that. Romans 8, 28, you know this verse, or hopefully you, you'll put it to memory. It says, we know that God causes everything to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Everything in the Greek, guess what it means? Everything. It means everything. That means the good, the bad, and the ugly, he didn't cause it, but he's going to use it. He didn't cause it, but he'll leverage it to move you and motivate you and bring you and springboard you to a new place. Real joy is when we can trust that God's going to use it, that there's a purpose and there's a plan for, and a path for everyone in everything that you're going through. And he'll use the pain and he'll use the mundane as well. Is it possible? Is it possible that God has a purpose for you in, in the areas of your life that feel mundane? Is it possible that God has a purpose for your life in the areas right now that are so painful? I believe so. 
I can't, I can't, I could do a series on this particular thing. I could talk for hours in terms of my own testimony and my own life, but some of you guys know pieces of it. But I was brought up in a home of strife, of conflict, of division. Even, even in a measure to this day, there's still problems and, and difficulties, but it was extreme when I was young. And yet, uh, God had a purpose and a plan. I should be an abuser. That's terrible uh, declaration, but, but the statistics would say that I would be a rageaholic, that I would have, I would have a problem with authority, that I, would, that I would be messed up and jacked up, and I'd be trying to hurt a lot of people because I was hurt. But because uh, God intervened, because I love God, and because God had a purpose for my life, and I trusted the plan and purpose of God for my life, I've become a conciliator. I've become and given and been given the ministry of reconciliation, and I've seen it, and God's used it, and because of that, I've been able to help a lot of people and be a curse breaker. And God used that pain to reveal. And he bent the universe to change me so I could help change other people. And he would do the same for you. God, God can take the mundane. This will sound crazy for some of you who don't know this, but I'm the pastor of this church today. I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the top of the heap in this little pond that we call Connect. But I was the janitor. We have a, th a phrase in ministry, before you pick up the mic, make sure you pick up a mop. Why? Because it builds character. Because in those mundane assignments that I did in this building of which I am the primary steward now, Mopping smelly floors and windexing windows. And va I vacuumed this room more miles. I put more miles than anybody vacuuming this room. So many times, rode my bike as a volunteer to clean this building, everybody. And I formed a phrase that cleanliness is next to godliness. <laughs> Hallelujah. I felt the Holy Spirit come in when I said that. But, but, but God used that mundane that I didn't see at that particular time to give me uncanny insights into ministry and into serving with a servant's heart and be willing to get down on your knees and help people and get dirty with people and wash people's feet uh, literally or figuratively. Not literally in Jesus' name. I probably don't have to do that. But figuratively. Serve people. It gave me insight into stewarding uh, what God has put. You ask people on staff. I'm, I'm hyper if we don't take care of what God has given us to stu steward. It's important to me. Why? Because of those mundane assignments. God wants to use all of your mundane experiences and, and, and bend the universe for his purposes to be revealed in your life. Don't resist the instruction of the Holy Spirit and the schooling of the Holy Spirit as he's developing you. Joseph learned this lesson, and we can learn from Joseph. He was sold into slavery by his own family. All right, he was accused of adultery falsely. Uh, he was put into prison. And in those times and in those places, he still held a God view that God had a purpose and that God had a plan for him. And he trusted God through those low places. And God eventually brought him to high places where in essence he was the vice Pharaoh, the second most powerful person in the world. Because he did not he did not change his mind or he didn't go back on what God had said. He held fast. In fact, in Genesis chapter 50, while he's looking at his brothers that had sold him out, he said, you intended to harm me, but God had intended it for good. God worked it all for good. And I see that. And I was faithful during those times. I want to encourage you to be faithful in the pain and in the mundane. Can I have an amen? Amen. Number two, write this down. My, my, probably my favorite point of the message is this one. To, to have your joy, you have to put on praise. 
Come on, everybody. You gotta, you gotta put on praise. I'll explain that in a second. People are, are anxious. People are depressed like no other time. I don't know if it's more than other times, but we hear about it more and we know about it more. But I, I tend to think it's more. First of all, there's more people on the planet, but people are more fearful, overwhelmed, and in despair. And during the holidays in particular, it's not that there's necessarily more problems. You just feel them more. And, and, and I want you to know I, I'm sorry about that, okay? But I'm, I want to give you something that will help you. Can, can you receive it in Jesus' name? Isaiah 61. Look, let's go back to the biblical prescription. It says this. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Here we go. The garment of praise for, or you could say in exchange for, the spirit of heaviness. The garment of praise for, in exchange for, the spirit of despair. If you feel overwhelmed, if you feel a sense of despair, if you feel uh, stressed out, God is trying to say to you, I want you to exchange something for something. I have a deal for you. Are you interested in something that could fix that? I got a deal, and I'll take that from you if you put on a garment of praise. Notice that it's referring to like a garment, like clothing. It's not something you just have, but you have to put it on. Are you guys with me right now, second service? Are you guys with me online, framing it? Are you with me online? You have to put this garment on. It's a responsibility that you have. For God to help you, you have to put on something that he gave you. You have to put on praise. So God wants you to exchange this spirit of heaviness and put on a garment of praise, but it's a choice. It's a choice. What does it look like, first of all? First of all, you have to look through a different lens at the world. Before you put on praise, you have to see that God is worthy of praise. I need more talking back from this church. Are you guys with me? I'll preach better if you talk back more, okay? So here's the deal. You need to see God uh, through a lens of thankfulness and, and gratefulness, an attitude of gratitude. You need to realize that God is worthy of worship for who he is, not just what he does. The Bible says he's a reward. First of all, it says we must come to God. In, in Hebrews, it says we must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So your first attitude, your first lens that you must look through is God is worthy of gratitude and thankfulness because he's God. Yeah. He's God. And then we can worship him because he's a great God for what he does. Amen? That's the, that's the view. So on your way to work, on your way home from work, it's so important for you to just give thanks to God in all circumstances, as it says in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5. It's so important for you to say what the word says about your situation, not what you think about the situation. This is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. We declare what God says, and it will change what we think. Amen? And so we got to put it on. But some of us, we don't put on the garment of praise. We put on a, we put on a discontent, discontentment, and we put on comparison. The first thing we do in the morning instead of putting on praise and praising God is we put on Instagram. <laughs> comparison, discontentment begin to take us over. Anybody know what I'm talking about right now? Some of you not grand people. Some of you are news people. Some of you go and you turn on CNN, which is otherwise known as constant negative news. And you wonder why you have a negative worldview. Because you're feeding 
And you're feeding on all of that news, and of course it's going to change your view. And so you'll look at the world and think uh, there's more negative than positive. Everything's disproportionate. But isn't it interesting that two people can do can put on two different things and see the world completely differently? Somebody can put on a garment of praise and think, this is the day the Lord has made. Come on, I will rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, if God is for me, who can be against me? I'm here to be a light in the world, you know, set on a hill. And I'm going to change the world around me, not have the world change, be, be, and change me. It's all dependent on what you put on first thing in the morning. The ratio will change because of the relationship that's changing you. Amen? There's a, there's a medical condition, a mental condition, actually. It's called medical school syndrome. It's a real thing. And basically what happens is students in medical school, they'll study these horrible diseases, uh, incurable diseases, new diseases, new sicknesses, new human maladies, and things like that. And then they'll, they'll end up getting on the phone. They'll call their professor asking some questions. And then they'll actually say things like, I think I've got leprosy. You know what I mean? Like... Like, they come to believe they actually have that condition. I'm starting to feel something. Something's weird. You know, and they're starting to get, like, nodules on the back of their head and all these things. And actually, some of them begin to have, as a result of this psychosomatic, you know, kind of this uh, hypochondriac kind of psychopathology, they begin to actually physically experience what they mentally have consumed. Conversely, what would happen if we fed our minds, if we, if we meditated day and night on the Lord, on the promises of God? What if we, what if we consumed Philippians 4.8 that just tells us to think on things that are pure, excellent, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy? What if we did that? What would happen? We put on something different. We think about something def- different. Are you with me, everybody? Listen to what some of you don't do that uh, this will sound, I don't mean, this is an unqualified statement, but this is something I practiced for many years. Some of you need to actually put on praise. Do you know what I mean? Like the music, like praise music. You need to literally like put it on and listen to it and jam out to it. Listen, I, 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 I'm back in back in the day when I was introduced kind of to contemporary Christian music back in college. I, I came up in the early days when it was just like, you know, all we had was Amy Grant, and Michael W. Smith. Come on, somebody, thank you for those people. But, but, Keith Green. But, okay. But then I, I went to an all-black church in Tulsa. In fact, it was, called, it was called Diverse because I was there, okay? It was like a flip. It was like a flip. And, and I just loved jamming out there, okay? And I was introduced to a guy that came to the church. His name was Fred Hammond. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about right now. And so I always have, I still have it today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little excerpt from my little jam list right now. But I would play this song, and man, I would put on praise. Come on, can you put that on? This song's called We Are Blessed by Right here, call, listen to this right now. Listen to it like this. You like this? The way I know how to do it. Say, late in the midnight hour, just gonna turn it around. He's gonna work in your favor. Say, late in the midnight hour. You know this song? Turn it around. Turn around. Turn around. Late in the midnight hour. Come on.
exhausted. I don't do cardio. I just lift things up and put them down. You guys want one more? This is one more from my gym. It's okay. Kirk Franklin, have you guys ever heard this? Like, do you want a revolution? Do you remember this? Come on. Play it, play it, play it, play it, Kirk Franklin. Verses 16 and 17. Yes, sir. They shall hunger no more. Preacher, preach. They thirst anymore. Preacher, preach up. For God shall wipe away. Yes, sir. Every tear from the eye. Yes, sir. Get ready. good Christmas carols, all of a sudden it's like, you know, whatever, chestnuts roasting on an open fire, and everybody's all happy. Stop being so sad and dejected. Hold on a second. <laughs> ah, I love it. Look at what Nehemiah says. For the love of Pete, help me preach. Nehemiah 8.6. Look at this. Ezra praised the Lord. Come on, everybody say praised. Praised. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and said, amen, amen. Amen. Okay, so then what happened? Next part of the verse, it says, then after they praised, they bowed down, they got down on their knees, and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So here's what happens a lot of times. People in their private experience, in their public experience, they're not praising God. They're not lifting their hands, praising the great God and saying, amen, amen. You're the winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> like, think about it. Anything that has a win, you celebrate. Anytime there's a success, you celebrate. If there's a goal, what do you do? Go. If there's a swish, boom. Your hands always go up when there's a win, when there's a success, you are not being aware of the successes and the wins of God for you. He has the ultimate stat sheet. He has the best record in all of the universe. He is the MVP of all time of overcoming difficulties, problems, situations, tragedies. He always solves and always has an answer. He always has a solution. And he is worthy to be praised and our hands be lifted and people say, amen, amen. Come on. Come on. Some of you are missing the best part of church. Poor Sarai and her team up here. They're here, you know, 845. God bless them. They get here like 5 in the morning. They're here Friday night, Saturday all day, Sunday morning, open with praise. And they're like, oh, lady in the midnight, come on, please worship with me. And like nobody's here. Is it possible that you're missing the one thing, the prescription to your pain because you're coming late? And here's what happens. People come late, and then we're coming to worship. And we're all down, face down, worshiping God. And we already have weight on our backs from the world. We're already overwhelmed and in despair and anxious. and We're already down here. 
God wants you, no, 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 I don't want any more weight on your back. I want you to get it up, get it off, and focus on a great God so you don't see your problems so big and lift hands. The Bible says, I wish all men would lift up holy hands and say, amen, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, amen, amen. Come on, somebody. Oh, my Jesus, I'm going to need oxygen. <laughs> Number three, write this down. You got to choose joy. Everybody say choose joy. choose joy. Number two helps. Number three, if you put on praise, it's a lot easier to choose joy. But if you don't, you can think I'm belittling your pain. And I'm not. But friend, you are not what happens to you. See, if you listen online, I want you to hear this. You see joy and happiness, but they're not the same thing. They're not. Uh, my grandson's feelings can change like that. Hudson, you upset? He's totally upset. He's freaking out. Uh, want a grape? He stops. <laughs> it's amazing. You have this decider inside of you that you can activate. My mother and my father, like I said, they were, they, they were strife when I was growing up. They'd be fighting. And then and they'd be going at it. And, and all of a sudden, the phone would ring. And my mother would go to the phone and go, hello, Fry Residence. <laughs> and I'd look at her like, it's a miracle. How does she do that? Because you can do that too. We can make these decisions to choose joy. Happiness is a feeling, but joy is a foundation. Oh, this is a big word for some of us out there. I think sometimes you think, you know, because happiness is what happens to you. Joy is what's happening inside of you. It's a big deal. I had a friend in, in college. His name was Stephen, and his mother taught him this little exercise to, to activate this decider. And um, he would go to church, and he never wanted to go to church. He didn't want to go to kids' church. And his mother said, we're going to church. You're going to go to kids' church. You're going to have fun. It's going to be great, son. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. And so they'd pull up to church, and he'd have a bad attitude. And she'd look back. Are you going to change your attitude, Stephen? And so she'd go, okay. I want you to get your index finger up in the air. And, oh, Mom, I don't want to get your index finger up in the air. He put it up in the air like this, and she said, okay, let's put it on the happy button. Now let's smile. <laughs> Some of you guys are having a hard time, but I'm going to make you do it. Get your index finger out right now. Oh, y'all, right now. And let's touch our happy buttons and smile. Okay. Some of you didn't work, so you need to go to your secondary button. <laughs> Boom! Some of you are having a hard time finding that button. I don't know what to do for you. <laughs> what is going on? What was his mother trying to teach him? She was trying to teach him that you're bigger than your feelings. And she saw and knows and he knew as well that there are other areas where that didn't decide his feelings. You know this to be true. The way I feel doesn't dictate how you treat everybody. The way you feel doesn't dictate how you go to work. Your work ethic, your excellence, the way you feel does not dictate how you raise your kids or how you should raise your kids. Can I have an amen? You can choose, you can choose joy. You can choose it. Pastor, well, that's not being real. That's being fake. Let me tell you something. The devil is distorting truth if he's telling you something like that because choosing, choosing a different response isn't being fake. It's being faithful to what God says. That's a lie. The enemy's lying to you. Amen? Philippians 4, verse 4, Paul says this. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Um, I'm going to say it again because it was such a good point. Rejoice. 
Paul says, rejoice. It basically means return to joy. I'm going to say this to you, everybody. Rejoice. I'll say it again. Rejoice. So if you had trouble the first time returning to joy, then I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. Return to joy again. This is a decision. Paul, by the way, was saying this in prison awaiting his beheading. So he's either crazy or he discovered something. That joy comes from confidence within, not from something that's going on from the outside. Can I have an amen? Amen. How do you choose joy? There's so many things we could say there, but let me give you the fourth point and the most important point of all, really, is to, to make these decisions. What influences the decider is the Holy Spirit. You've got to go to the source of joy, the source. And this is why it's so important to come to church. This isn't some self-help hype master jam session. This is, this is all, at the end of the day, God is the source. He is the reason that we can have joy during this difficult season. People are often thinking, Pastor, you don't really get it. And maybe I don't, but the Holy Spirit does. He gets it. He does. Isaiah 61.3 says, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy, though. That's the answer. The oil of joy. See, the oil in the New Testament and in the Old Testament refers to or is a symbol for God's presence, God's spirit, God's anointing. You could use words like that. And people like Jesus trusted and relied on the Holy Spirit to have joy in their difficult circumstances. In fact, in Luke 10, 21, it says Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Man, so Jesus did it. Might be good. At Acts 13, 52, all the believers, it said, were filled with joy and with what? The Holy Spirit. So over and over, a byproduct uh, of the Holy Spirit is joy. A promise that if you go to the source, the Holy Spirit, is you will have joy. The Bible says that God's, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit or in the Holy Ghost. So the world's The world's solutions don't work. At the end of the day, you can medicate, but it will complicate. You can kind of you can kind of cope, but but it won't solve the situation. It won't resolve the situation. The world's solution is to get drunk, numb it, neutralize it, you know, put it off. And you know what? I have compassion for that. Uh, just to be honest with you and everybody that's listening online, like there's many times where I have I, I've felt like overwhelmed. Everybody has. Everybody's had, I can't say I've been formally depressed, but I've been really sad. I've had extreme sadness at different times in my life. And if I'm not going to the source, then I can see why people, and I can see how people would have to numb. All of us medicate actually at some level, to be truthful. We all do. We just have to change where we receive uh, that, that pain solution. There's a story in the book of Acts. Um, it's the Pentecostic story in, in Acts chapter 2, but the context is really similar to what's happening uh, for those of you who are not, not here, but it's like this room is an upper room experience. And so they're in an upper room, and all these people are praying. God, Jesus told them to go and pray, and it's actually 9 a.m. in the morning. It's early. And they, they got, it got crazy in here because God showed up in a big way, all these amazing signs. People are speaking in uh, different earthly languages and heavenly languages, amazing situation. And the Bible says that outside, people were hearing what was going on inside, and they thought they were all drunk. A byproduct, think about though, have you ever showed up at a party and everybody was drunk? Raise your hand. 
oh, I spotted you. Anybody last night? Raise your hand. Anybody? No. I just... <laughs> so what happens is when you, people go to parties because they want to get drunk because they want to feel good because they want to have joy. That's the whole reason people are doing it. It's the only reason people would get drunk, right? And so people outside are listening to the party that's going on inside. It must have been crazy wild. People are like, they, they, they were just filled with the Holy Spirit, not with spirits, right? They were filled. The byproduct of them being drunk in the Holy Spirit was they had joy. That was a sign or a seal. And so basically, how do drunk people act? They're filled with joy. <laughs> They're all crazy, having a blast, whatever. That's awesome. I don't care. You know, they're just having a, they're having a ball, right? We, so the answer is to get drunk, but we just have to drink right. We have to drink responsibly. What is, you say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Is this a cake party at the end of the service? No. <laughs> all I'm saying is some people are staying up all night on Netflix till 3 in the morning just numbing their pain, living a different reality. Some people are going from relationship to relationship to relationship because they never got healed from an original relationship, and they won't find it until they come to the one and only true relationship that can set them free. Some people are going to their careers deeper and deeper into their careers, trusting in and relying on their own ability, but it won't last and it won't suffice. Some people are actually getting drunk, but it doesn't work. It won't satisfy. The question is, what are you drinking? What will help you deal with your pain? Ephesians 5.18 says this. Do not be drunk with wine. There you go. Corrected. Don't use, in other words, don't use coping mechanisms, children of God, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled. Everybody say be filled. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. So what does it look like to be filled with the Holy Spirit? He goes on. People who are filled with the Holy Spirit are singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among themselves. They're making music to the Lord in their hearts. Listen, my daddy is, is, is the sickest I've ever known in my whole life. My dad is a great man of God, but he's, he has dementia. He's battling a horrible disease. But I'll tell you something that, I've, that just affected me so much. He's a, he's a spirit-filled, godly man. And while he's fighting this disease, if, you, if you're ever listening to him, he's always humming Christian songs. Day and night, he hums. He's making melodies and psalms and spiritual songs. And you know what? My daddy's still happy. It still works. And if it works for a man in that condition, it will work for you. And he goes on to say, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In a nutshell, drink, but drink responsibly. Drink the Holy Spirit. How do we get the Holy Spirit back in our life? You have to turn to him. And the disciples, you know, had to, re everybody, everybody that's a follower of God has to first turn. Repent means to turn back to God. I'm not going to trust myself. I'm going to trust God's plan for my life. Repent means I'm not going to do it my way. I'm going to put on praise. And this is the prescription that will get me healthy. This is the prescription that will help me through my problems. Okay, God, I'll do that. I'm not going to do it my way anymore. Uh, this turning back to God says I'm going to choose joy. I'm not going to choose to just keep wallowing in, in my problems and, in, and sulking in my situation. No, I'm going to choose joy. And you know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit into my life. And so I want to give people an opportunity to do that. Would you stand to your feet? I want to pray for everybody. I want to pray for you online. I want to pray for you in Framingham as well. I want God to turn your mourning into, into joy. And I want to turn the, the heaviness and exchange it with a garment of praise. And I want you to see the benefits that God has for you in this season that you're in. With every head bowed, every eye closed, be very, very still. This is a super reverent moment. I'm asking leaders not to move. Just be still. Just be still. Oh, I thank you, God, that late in the midnight hour, 
God, you're going to turn it around for some people because they chose to believe this message and apply it to their life. Father, if there's anybody here within the sound of my voice, listening online or listening in frame and listening in this room that I'm in right now, and you're far from God, the most important thing you can do is to repent and come back to Jesus. Come to Jesus maybe for the first time. A byproduct of salvation is joy. He is the joy of my salvation. And if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you are not here on accident. You are here because God wanted you to be here, and he wanted you to hear this. And he's knocking on the door of your heart, and he's asking for you to open up the door and the handles on the inside of your heart. You, you're the only one that can do that. So I just want to give you that chance. If that's you, as a sign that you're saying yes to God, I'm going to pray for you after this. But as a sign that you're saying yes to God, I want you to raise your hand. You can raise your hand right online. There's a little thing you can click. You can raise your hand right in this room. Just say, Pastor, that's me. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, don't be afraid. Have courage. Have courage, people. Thank you, Jesus. Encourage people. Yes, sir, I see your hand. Yes, sir, I see your hand over there. That's good. You can put it down. Thank you, ma'am. I see that hand. You can put that down. Thank you, boy. Thank you. Thank you, those of you who are responding online. Thank you so much. Thank you. Church, would you pray with me, with these people that just raised your hand? Those that just raised your hand, I want you to say this from your heart. Say, today is the day of salvation for me. Today, I choose to trust God with my eternity, with the path, the plan, and the purpose for my life. I trust you, God. I transfer trust now. Today, I put on praise. I'm going to focus on what you say and who you are. Today... I choose joy. I thank you, Lord God, that joy is confidence within. Lord, today I receive the Holy Spirit who's making me a new person in Christ Jesus right now in Jesus' name. And all the church and everybody online said, come on, amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand clap. God bless you guys. Don't forget to put on praise.